One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I'm Sadie Eck. And I am Courtney Eck. And we sure are happy to be here with you mm-hmm. all today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Courtney's going to tell the story. We both wrote uh, stories tonight thinking it was our turn. Yeah. <laughs> and then Rochambeau'd for it. And exactly. Just, yeah. Paper, <laughs> Courtney paper won. beats rock, right? Yes. yes. Covers it. I'm the paper, you're the rock. Yep. Yep. My three-year-old just started learning how to play rock, paper, scissors. And he always picks rock, so it's really easy to beat him. Dumbass! Anyway, take it away. Awesome. Tonight I'm going to tell the truly, truly terrible, gruesome, how the fuck have I never heard this case before, tale of Charles Ng and Leonard Lake. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of them. Okay, good. I was so afraid you're gonna be like, yeah, uh, Invisible covered that one two weeks ago. <laughs> no, I dug and dug and I was like, how have I never heard of this case? It's fucking, it's like a movie. So here we go. Uh, and I'm going to start by saying major, major big time trigger warning for torture, crimes against minors and sexual assault. Oh, let's do it. Um, I also want to say that I got a lot of my info from an article titled Charles Ng Cheating Death by Patrick Bellamy. In June of 1985, San Francisco police responded to a routine shoplifting call at a lumber yard after a clerk had seen an Asian man hiding a vice underneath his jacket and leaving the store. A vice? Yeah, like, like a vice grip. Okay. Not like a vice squad, not like a bunch of policemen. <laughs> like all of them. <laughs> yep. When the officer arrived, they parked next to a Honda that was parked in the lot with its trunk open and were met by the store's clerk, who quickly pointed out the stolen vice in plain view in the open trunk. The officer proceeded to look at other items in the trunk and was stunned to find a bag containing a loaded revolver and a silencer, which are illegal. As he was searching the trunk, the officer was approached by a man with a large beard who handed him a sales receipt. Quote, here's the receipt, he said. I've paid for the vice my friend took. There's no need for the police. It just the like, office- whips, whips out the receipt. Well, no, he, I'm assuming his buddy was like, shit, I got caught stealing this. And he's like, dumbass, why didn't you pay for it? And then he went into the store and paid uh, for it to try okay. to calm things down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that makes more sense. Yes. Okay. 
in this case, I tried to distill it down to the essential elements, but it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> there's a lot of, huh? Who? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, I'll try my, my best to carry you through it all. The officer ran the plate on the car and asked the man who the car belonged to, to which he replied, Lonnie Beard. The plates were indeed registered to a man named Lonnie Beard, and the man who had approached the officer presented his identification card, which stated his name was Robin Stapley, who was a 26-year-old resident of San Diego. What year are we? Uh, 85. Okay. Or 84. Okay. The officer became even more suspicious as the man in front of him looked considerably older than 26 and confronted the man about the illegal weapon. The man claiming to be Robin Stapley claimed the gun wasn't his and that he just used it to shoot some beer cans, but the officer ran the serial number of the gun and it came back that it did indeed belong to a Robin Stapley. The officer then arrested the man for being in possession of an illegal firearm, meaning the silencer, and returned to speak to the clerk about the man who'd stolen the vice in the first place. The clerk described him as, quote, Asian male, slight build, about 25, last seen wearing a parka. Once they were down at the station, the man who claimed to be Robin Stapley was brought to an interrogation room and asked to empty his pockets. In his pockets, they found a travel receipt for a man named Charles Gunner, and just to add another name to the mix... Police also ran the vehicle ID number for the Honda, and the car was registered as being owned by a man named Paul Cosner, who'd been reported missing nine months earlier. Hmm. You know, I'm glad I'm not a detective. There'd be too many names. I'd be like, don't know. I can't figure this one out. I almost didn't do this case because I was like, God, there's so much assumed identity, and it's (laughs) hard to keep track of who's who. When confronted with this information, the man, quote, went pale and asked for a pen and paper and a glass of water. Quote, are you going to write a confession? The police officer asked. No, the man answered, just a note to my wife. After asking for his handcuffs to be released, the man scribbled a short note and placed it in his shirt pocket. Quote, I can have that delivered for you if you'd like, the officer told him. The man then said, I didn't think a lousy bench vice would bring me to this. No, no. He then confessed his actual name was Leonard Lake, that he was wanted by the FBI, and his friend who'd stolen the vice was Charles Ng. He then reached into the lapel of his shirt, popped something into his mouth, and within just moments, his eyes rolled back and he started convulsing. You are kidding me. Nope. A little cyanide down the trap. Oh, Sadie knows if it's in the lapel of the shirt. It's always cyanide. <laughs> just, it's the one I can think of. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Can you imagine? You're like, no. here, I'm taking you in for an illegal weapon. Pop, dead. Yes. Well, All he's not because dead. of a vice. Stolen vice. Wow. Yep. Uh, wow. Police checked his vitals and found that he was just barely alive, so he was transported to a hospital where he would be placed on life support. It was later determined that he'd taken a cyanide pill. <laughs> and police, I am a good detective. <laughs> you are a very good detective. You're like, I don't know who any of these guys are that you're fucking stealing identities from, but that was definitely cyanide. <laughs> I smell it. And police were beyond confused as to why a man would end his own life in such a dramatic fashion over a stolen car and illegal weapon. What they would come to learn would be so, so much worse than any of them could ever fathom. 
Leonard Lake was born on July 20th, 1946, and to say he had a troubled life growing up is a serious understatement. His grandmother allegedly encouraged him to take naked photos of young girls, including his sisters and cousins, to explore the human form. What? Yes. She also failed to intervene when he filled his free time with dipping rodents in acid. Oh, God. Live. Oh, yeah. I mean, not that it matters, but okay. He developed an unnatural preoccupation with pornography and later used the naked photos to bribe his sister into performing sexual favors. Oh, God. I also read that he promised protection from their violent brother, Donald, in exchange for the favors. So, one way or another, he had sex with his sister. Cool. Yeah. Lake joined the Marines in 1966 and did a tour in Vietnam where he didn't engage in any combat and served as a radar operator. It is reported that he participated in two years of psychotherapy and was allegedly discharged in 1971 after being diagnosed with, quote, hysterical neurosis. Hmm. I also read twice that he was diagnosed with schizoid personality disorder, which just means you're like extreme introvert. So I don't think that's grounds for dismissal from the armed forces, but I don't think hysterical neurosis would be. I don't know. Basically, he got discharged. I think they used that it. That sounds like a made up thing they'd tell a lady she had. Well, <laughs> it's funny because I looked it up and because I'm like, I've never heard of that. And it's just hysterics. That's just what it is just being hysterical there's a new a different term for it now like converted energy or it's basically Weird. just like when you freak out yeah it means okay. you freak out a lot <laughs> like like the women do <laughs> exactly <laughs> after before they get their hysterectomies and then they God. get those pesky uteruses out of there and <laughs> good to go After he was discharged, he moved to San Jose, where he got married and developed a reputation as a, quote, gun buff, survivalist, and sex freak. Oh, good. Yeah, best possible combination. In his free time, he liked to produce amateur pornography centered around mostly bondage scenes and starring women that weren't his wife, and so that marriage was eventually dissolved. In 1980... Lake was charged with grand theft after stealing from a construction site, but got off with just a year probation. He then married a woman named Clarilyn Ballas, and the two moved to a communal ranch in Ukiah where a, quote, Renaissance lifestyle was practiced, complete with medieval costumes and surgical alteration of young goats to produce unicorns. (laughs) Um, I'm telling you, Sadie, this fucking case, yes. Okay, so I double checked it too. I was like, Leonard Lank, Ukiah, yes, he really lived on a commune, and they really made goats into unicorns. Okay, that's horrifying. I mean, if they just (laughs) strapped a little horn to the head from the fucking dollar store, sure, but I don't know the details. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. No, leave the baby goats alone. No. A few months after he moved to Ukiah, he met his soon-to-be BFF, Charles Ng, who was the son of a wealthy couple and had been born in Hong Kong in 1961. His father was admittedly very hard on him and punished him harshly for his many, many childhood troubles, and after being expelled from expensive boarding schools in Hong Kong and England for setting fires and stealing from other students, among other things, Charles made his way to California to try to straighten out his life, 
but instead he was involved in a hit-and-run accident, so decided to flee by joining the United States Marine Corps and falsely listing his birthplace as Bloomington, Indiana. What? Bloomington doesn't want you, Charles. No. Ng was an expert at martial arts and a, quote, self-styled ninja warrior who was born to fight. <laughs> God. And so we have the about- Renaissance on one hand and the oh ninjas on the other. <laughs> These guys. And they meet God. each other and have yes. a terrible BFF murder time. Oh, just hang on for dear life. Uh, he talked about violence constantly while enlisted. In 1979, he was arrested after he and two accomplices stole $11,000 worth of automatic weapons from a Marine arsenal. After his arrest, he bragged about, quote, assassinating someone in California during a psychiatric evaluation, but didn't name any names, and then escaped custody before trial, so was listed as a deserter. Cool. After he fled, he saw an ad Lake posted in a War Gamers magazine and the two became a match made in the deepest, most depraved depths of hell. <laughs> Despite Lake's racism, which he only really directed at black and brown people, not Asian people, mm-hmm. but they're fine. The two kicked off their friendship by collecting illegal automatic weapons and were raided by federal agents in 1982. Lake posted bail and immediately went into hiding under an assumed name, but Ng was denied bail and struck a plea bargain with the military prosecutors so only served 18 months. Lake's second wife, Clarilyn, divorced him in the meantime, but they remained on friendly terms, so he was a free agent by the time his sadistic soulmate was again a free man. Lake had moved to a a two-and-a-half-acre ranch near Wilseyville, which was owned by his ex-in-laws, and he had been killing time by stockpiling weapons and stolen video equipment. He also enlisted the help of some neighbors to help him build a fortified bunker next to the house. I feel like it's been a while since we've had a killer that's just able to like gather guns and build bunkers and right? do whatever they want. And yeah, just like, you know, their whole life. Yeah, I know. That's what drew me to this case. Quote yeah. unquote drew me to this case. Just these guys are fucked up, man. Yeah. So after Lake took himself out with a cyanide pill, police searched the Honda he'd been driving and discovered blood in the front seat, a bullet hole near the sun visor, and shell casings under the seat. Like I mentioned before, 39-year-old Paul Cosner was the original owner of the car, and he disappeared after he'd informed his girlfriend that he was going to meet a, quote, weird-looking guy to show him the car. Oh, no. As police searched the car, they also found bank statements, credit cards, and other documents with the name Robin Scott Stapley on them. Police followed up and learned that Robin had been the founding member of the Guardian Angels, which was a, quote, national organization that had been formed to to protect private citizens from criminal attacks and generally aid the police. I've heard of those guys. Yeah. He had also been missing since the previous April. Oh, no. They also found a bank card assigned to someone named Randy Jacobson and a PG&E bill for a property in Wilseyville, California, with the name Clarilyn Ballas on it. Clarilyn was Lake's second ex-wife, and on June 3, 1985, police brought her in for questioning. Clarilyn explained that the address on the electric bill was the ranch owned by her parents, and it was so remote she'd need to show them how to get there, which she agreed to do the next day after police obtained a search warrant. 
The next day, officers arranged to meet Clara Lynn and Lake's mother at a convenience store, and Clara Lynn was late showing up to the meeting. When asked why, she explained that she'd gone to the ranch first, and when they inquired about her removing any potential evidence, she explained that Lake had taken pornographic videos of her, and she wanted to confiscate them to avoid the embarrassment they could bring. When they arrived at the property, they found it relatively easy to find, despite Clara Lynn claiming it was too remote to find without an escort. Not looking good for Clara Lynn. Hi, this girl. They panned out, some officers searching the home and some searching the grounds. The main cabin was made up of two bedrooms, a kitchen, and a bathroom. Officers immediately noticed a, quote, spray of reddish-colored stains on the living room ceiling. One wall was a mural of a forest scene. In the middle of the scene was a single small-caliber bullet hole. There was a similar bullet hole on the kitchen floor. In the master bedroom, they found a large four-poster bed with electrical cords tied to each of the posts. Quote, bolted through the floor and each corner of the bed were heavy eye bolts, and above it, a 250-watt floodlight had been fastened to the wall. I don't like it. In a dresser next to the bed, they found several items of women's underwear and lingerie, all soaked in blood. When officers moved the mattress on the bed, they found a second mattress below it that was saturated in what looked like dried blood. God. In the living room... They found a TV and equipment used to duplicate videos, all with the serial numbers removed. Police later learned that the equipment had belonged to a San Francisco resident named Harvey Dubs, who had disappeared along with his wife and infant son after he'd gone to meet a man who'd responded to an ad about the equipment in July of 1984. Oh, no. The family was last seen by a neighbor talking to the two men who'd come to buy the equipment. Oh, God. The whole family. The whole family. These guys took families. After touring the House of Horrors, police were able to obtain a warrant to search more of the property, and Clara Lynn and her mother attended and showed them what appeared to be an incinerator, which would be capable of burning material at an extremely high temperature. The warrant didn't include the bunker on the property, so police asked Clara Lynn if she'd consent to them searching it, and she became angry and told them that they should speak to Lake's friend, Charles Ng. Problem was, just the day before, Ng had called Clarilyn to ask her to drive him to his apartment to pick up a paycheck, and he proceeded to, quote, pack a suitcase with clothes, a twenty-two caliber handgun, ammunition, a large amount of cash, two IDs, a California driver's license, and a social security card, both in the name of Mike Komodo. Okay. Afterwards... She'd driven him to the United Airlines terminal at San Francisco Airport, but had no idea where he was going. Mm-hmm. She also completely clammed up at this point, refusing to allow police to search the bunker, stated she needed to speak with a lawyer, and left with her mother. Cool. Uh, get Thanks get, for the help. <laughs> uh, get a search warrant, like, right away. The first thing they should be searching is that fucking bunker. I'd be like, uh, the house looks cool, but this fucking bunker, are you kidding me? That's where you put your murder supplies. A hundred percent. Like, yeah, I can't even comment on Clarilyn because what the fuck is that about? Her motives are so strange to me. I mean, I can only guess that she wanted, and she did ask for immunity later, but I can only guess that she was sick of their bullshit and brought the police there to seem helpful and cooperative. 
But she's, yeah, her shit's weird. But not helpful enough to, like, just give them what they needed. Right. So she takes him to the house, and then Charles calls her, and she gets him out of town. (laughs) Right. She takes him back to the house, and then she's like, fuck you guys, I'm getting a lawyer. Who is she married to? Leonard Lake. Okay. So the other guy. Okay. Yeah. And and she was down with his freaky sex stuff, so that's why they, they got along, but then... He Maybe got arrested, and she was like, I'm out of here, yeah. Okay. Not necessarily down with his freaky murder stuff. Well, he got arrested for grand theft, and so she was like, I gotta okay. go. Yeah. Okay. Got it. I don't know about the her... I mean, <laughs> that's the other thing. She, like, walks into this house where there's tapes, and she gets the tapes, and you're not going to not notice the blood spray, like, on the yes. kitchen ceiling, you know. You know what your blood husband's soaked up to. underwear, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, police... And it's her mom and dad's house. Yeah. That's cool. God. Luckily, police had enough information and evidence to secure a warrant to search the bunker, and a team of officers were dispatched to the property completely (laughs) unprepared for what they were about to find. Sorry. Like, like if that's not enough evidence to get a search warrant for a bunker. (laughs) This case, I swear to God. I mean... I mean, it would seem like there would be probable cause to just search the bunker anyway. When you see like blood-soaked mattresses and blood-soaked everything, and uh, I can, well, I could not agree with you more. And this yeah. case is the fucking six flags of forensic evidence, right, clearly. And it's still, I, yeah, you'll see. Okay. It, <laughs> no, but it's true. I know they're like, yes, granted. Mm. You're like, yeah, yes, it's granted. There's a fucking yes. bed with electrical cords tied. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. They began their search on June 4th, 1985, and around the perimeter of the bunker, they found traces of lye and several articles of clothing. Fearing they'd stumbled upon a gravesite, no shit, Sherlock's, <laughs> literal Sherlock's, <laughs> right? They'd upped their search to include the neighboring property, and sniffer dogs were also brought in. When inquiring about the neighboring property, they received more disturbing news. The owner of the property had been renting it to a family, and they'd fallen behind on rent a few weeks back. He'd sent an agent to collect it, and the agent was greeted by a man who called himself Charlie Gunner, who said the family and their friend had left ten days prior. Hmm. The name of the man who'd been renting with his family was Lonnie Bond. His wife was Brenda O'Connor, and his baby, Lonnie Jr., and their friend was Robin Stapley. Oh my so God. if you'll remember back to the beginning of this case, the car was registered to Lonnie Bond, the fucking he had Robin right. Stapley's ID. Just took them all out. Yeah, and Brenda had gotten creeped out by Leonard, and she claimed she saw him bury a woman's body in the woods. I don't know why she didn't go to the police, but instead mm-hmm. she called up her buddy Robin Stapley and was like, will you come live with us? Our neighbor is freaking me out. And so Robin moved in with them to protect them, and then they oh all got God. nabbed. Yep. Wow. Really? I mean, we say this a lot, but how have we never heard this case before? <laughs> this case? It, I was This shocked. is like toy box killer level. Yes. It's very much toy box level killer. Very extremely much. It's I'm flabbergasted. I'd never yeah, heard of it. Me too. The agent also reported that a bank near the property, like a not a bank where you put your money, like a river bank <laughs> <laughs> near the property looked like it had been recently dug up by someone. The owner of the property said he'd followed up in person and had spoken to Charlie Gunner himself. 
He said that a few days later, he'd seen Charlie Gunner on the news, having taken cyanide and killed himself in police custody. Charlie Gunner was Leonard Lake. And I'm also like, why didn't you call the fucking police? Granted, this is sort of Humboldt County, lawless, Northern California, and you really stay out of each other's business up there. So I get that to a certain point, but nobody called the police on any of these fucking shenanigans, and that is very strange. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess if Leonard Lake is dead, you don't really need to call the police. But (laughs) maybe you do, because there's a family missing. So yes, you do need to call the police. Yeah. So the bunker was finally opened, and the main room was a, quote, 20-foot by 12-foot workshop area with a range of hand tools and power saws hanging on a plywood wall next to a workbench. Mm-hmm. The tools were inspected and appeared to be covered in, surprise, surprise, dried blood. And attached to the bench was a broken vice. Police were puzzled as they checked the dimensions of the room and realized it was smaller than the exterior perimeter of the bunker. So determined there must have been a secret room. They realized the plywood tool rack was actually a door and when opened led to a small room that contained a double bed side table, books, and a reading lamp. There was a carved plaque on the wall that said Operation Miranda, and police later learned that this was a reference to the book The Collector by John Fowles, in which, quote, a butterfly collector kidnaps a beautiful woman and keeps her locked in his cellar where the woman eventually dies. Quote, "Mm mm-hmm. Quote, they would select a Miranda and then take her. Lake would pose as a photographer and suggest they use the remote setting as it is beautiful in the Sierra Nevadas. Then, when they arrived, they would kill everyone that came with Miranda, usually in front of her. Oh my god. The Miranda would then be psychologically and physically tortured until she submitted to being Lake and Ing's sex slave. Oh my god. Yeah. And I'm not going to go into the details of the crime because... I can't say those words out of my mouth, but it was bad. Shocker, but it was really, really, really fucking bad. The crimes against the Miranda? The Miranda and her family, yeah. Yes, like, imagine the worst things you can imagine, and that's what they did to these women. Yep. And families. In the room, they also found, quote, military equipment, including uniforms, boots, a vast array of weapons, including assault rifles, shotguns, and machine guns. On the floor, police found a work shirt and baseball cap with the words, quote, Dennis Moving Service embroidered on them. Quote, in a bookshelf on the far wall, between books on explosives and chemicals, the searchers found a small window that appeared to be made up of multiple panes of glass, possibly soundproofed. On another shelf was a military starlight scope, which, initially designed for snipers, was capable of viewing objects in extremely low-light conditions. On another wall were 21 candid photographs of young girls in various stages of undress, most of which were taken outdoors. Two of the pictures had been taken in front of wallpaper with cartoon character motif. Mm The wallpaper was later identified as the wallpaper in South City Juvenile Hall, where Clara Lynn worked as a teaching assistant. What the fuck? And luckily, all 21 women in the photos were determined to be alive. Good, I got. I mean, like, good. No, good. But that's, that's still awful. 
It's fucking awful. It's awful. When checking their measurements again, police determined that the square footage was still coming up short and thought there must be yet another small room, likely behind the wall with a small window. The sheriff refused an additional warrant until the first two rooms had been adequately searched and forensic evidence had been obtained, and there was a ton. And my question is, if you already have a warrant to search the bunker, do you really need individual warrants for each room? Or was the sheriff just being really thorough? I don't know. Well, yeah, I, didn't... I think you do have to be pretty thorough, but I don't know. Maybe they were just like, we're going to make sure that there isn't any... Which I appreciate. Yeah. 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 I very much appreciate the sheriff being like, let's take our fucking time with right. this shit. Yes. <laughs> let's make sure that everything that we want, it's been like nothing yeah. illegally seized. Correct. Yeah. They found multiple fingerprints, which were confirmed to belong to Lake and Ng. They found two bones in the driveway, but were unable to determine if they were human upon initial inspection and a twenty-two caliber bullet was removed from the wall in the bedroom. Their most disturbing find was a diary that was wedged under the springs of the bed that was written by Lake and, quote, described in chilling detail how he and Ng had selected, raped, and murdered numerous victims. It also described how Lake, an ardent survivalist who feared nuclear war, had planned to build a series of bunkers across the country complete with supplies, weapons, and female sex slaves. Oh my god. The diary further spelled out his intention to use his female captives to repopulate the world. Wow. Cool, dude. You now are we're in so Mad Max cool. territory. Like, yeah. Wow. Once the initial evidence was gathered, police were given a warrant to continue the search for the additional room, and behind a secret door behind the bookcase, they found a room that was three foot three inches wide by six and a half feet long and six feet tall. That, my friends, is my nightmare. Yeah. Put me in a room that's only as big as my body? Yeah. No, no, no. That's a coffin. That's a fucking coffin. In the room was a small bed, chemical toilet, air freshener, water container, and a list of rules for the women to follow, which included total obedience, complete silence, and that the slightest infraction was subject to punishment. There was even one rule that was like, basically do what we say and then even do what we don't say and if we change the rules do those rules too you know oh, it was God. like right like yeah you're, you're just done you're screwed you're fucked ventilation holes had been drilled in the wall but had been baffled to prevent light from getting into the tiny oh, room you are kidding me no nope Police also found a button on the other side of the wall that would let sound in from the room, and they determined that the small window allowed the occupants of the larger room to observe whoever was in the smaller. I am... (laughs) I just cannot... I cannot... I can't... I don't know. This whole thing. Yeah, if you watch this as a horror movie, you'd be like, calm down, writers, right? Yes. You'd be like, that's too much. You've gone too far. That's too horrible. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Do they not How? have, like, have the... Has it not been talked about because it's so awful? I have no idea. Happened in the 80s? I have no idea. Isn't it crazy, though? It's crazy. Yeah, I, my brain is broken. Thank you. I'm glad that you're as shocked as I was. I really that, am. Yeah. Because this should be like the most, one of the most famous cases of all time. Very much. Yes. Yeah. 
Upon finding this hostage room, they broadened the scale of the murder investigation to include the FBI, California Forestry Department, and California Department of Justice. They also learned that Lake had been officially pronounced brain dead, and with their other suspect on the lam, they also called in the help of Interpol and Scotland Yard and sent Ng's description around the world. Wow. Makes a lot more sense why the guy was keeping the cyanide pill in his pocket. He was like... Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, one of these days I'm going to get caught. And... Especially if you're a survivalist douchebag fucking... Yeah. What do they call them? Survivalist <laughs> No, they call Douchebags. <laughs> Burners. What's it called? God. Uh... Packers. Get keepers. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. It's not hoarders. Oh, my God. Somebody on the other side of this podcast is like... You mean the survivalists? The yeah. Doomsday word. Preppers. 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 There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Prepper, serial killer preppers definitely yeah. keep cyanide in their lapels. All Every last shirt stitched it right in there. He and Ng spent it Sunday stitching cyanides Seriously. into their shirts. On the fourth day of the search, it was determined that the bones had been found were definitely human and police began to unearth hundreds of other items of evidence that were painstakingly photographed and cataloged. Man. I mean, you've got bones in your driveway. Uh, like, that's how do. much murder you have. Oh, my God. Yes. I just can't even. It's too much for my brain to comprehend. Doesn't well, the real. fact, yeah, that they just started scraping around the bunker, like there was a 10-foot perimeter around the bunker, and immediately they just found clothes and lie. Like, it was just there. Mm-hmm. On the fifth day, they found the first two complete skeletons, which had been, quote, sawn into sections and badly burned. They also found, quote, a sealed five-gallon bucket, which contained a checkbook in the name of Robin Scott Stapley, jewelry, credit cards, driver's licenses, wallets, and two videotapes without labels, and a third marked, quote, M. Ladies Kathy slash Brenda. Oh, on one of the videos, they found Lake describing his greatest fantasy, which was kidnapping a woman and forcing her to be his slave. You can watch that video. It is available. I don't think I'm going to do that. It's <laughs> terrible. On the third video, they found, quote, a young woman identified only as Kathy, chained to a chair and later forced to perform a strip tease while being taunted by two men, Lake and Ng. In another part of the video, Ng could be seen clearly cavorting, not my word, this is a quotation, cavorting on a bed with Kathy while Lake took still photographs. Kathy was later identified as Kathy Allen, who was an 18-year-old grocery store clerk who had followed Lake to the bunker after he told her her boyfriend Michael Carroll had been shot. Michael Carroll had previously been cellmates with Ng in Leavenworth. Oh, no. Another woman named Brenda was on the tape begging Lake and Ng to tell her where her baby was, to which Lake responded, quote, your baby is sound asleep like a rock. Oh, my God. The men taunted and verbally abused Brenda until she finally broke down and agreed to cooperate with them and can later be heard taking a shower with the two. Oh, my God. Brenda was Brenda O'Connor, who had been Lake's next-door neighbor and had disappeared along with her husband Lonnie Bond and baby Lonnie Jr., who police believed were murdered before the making of the video. 
by the end of the search, quote, the bodies of seven men, three women, two baby boys, and 45 pounds of bone fragments had been recovered, along with numerous amounts of property belonging to the deceased. 45 pounds? 45 pounds. In all, police found evidence suggesting that up to 25 people who had previously been reported missing may have been murdered in or around the Wesleyville compound but the fact that most of the bodies had been cut up, burnt, and scattered around the site made identification extremely difficult. Okay, so we pretty much just say any, like, between 1980-whatever and these dates, if you know somebody who's missing in this area, they were, they went there. They went to the bunker. Yes, they responded to an ad or placed an ad and, like, an ing killed them. For their car, for their video equipment. Yeah. It's astounding that they got away with it this long. I know. Like, everyone around them is dead. Yeah. Neighbors. Neighbors, friends, cellmates. Yeah. And and nobody, like, nobody sniffing around the bunker until you steal a vice. Exactly. Your ex-wife knows. Your in-laws probably know. Your neighbors know. Yeah. And as far as you know, that they weren't on the radar for like not even a little bit. I don't think so at all. I mean, I think it helped that they were living under assumed names. Lake was living as Charlie Gunner, who was his best man at his wedding that he killed. I don't remember why he killed him, but so he was living as Charlie Gunner. I don't know who Ling was masquerading as, but I think that was part of what helped. But still, so many people knew and didn't do anything about it. Well, or and so many people clean. must have known that, like, all of these people were going to the property for their picture, you know, or like, right? Oh boy, man, yep. this makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I do not like it. No, no. A warrant was issued for the arrest of Charles Ng for twelve murders. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> no, it. Uh, okay. I know. Ugh. The victims would be identified as Kathleen Allen, her boyfriend Michael Carroll, Robin Scott Stapley, Randy Johnson, Charles Gunner, who was Lake's best man, Donald Lake, who was Leonard's brother. Oh, Leonard's brother, Donald, left to go visit Leonard in Humboldt County and was never seen again. So, yeah. Leonard's mother actually approached police as they were searching and was like, um, by the way, I'm pretty sure my son is dead and I'm pretty sure my other son killed him. Yeah. Wow. Paul Cosner, who is the owner of the Honda, Brenda O'Connor, Lonnie Bond Sr., Lonnie Bond Jr., Harvey Dubs, Deborah Dubs, and Sean Dubs, who were the family who'd been abducted and killed after Ng and Lake went to their house in relation to audio equipment that Harvey Dubs had advertised for sale. Charles Ng eluded capture for 34 days, but in the end, he was taken down again by his inability to not shoplift. <laughs> On July 6, 1985, he was spotted leaving a store in Calgary with some groceries he'd slipped into his backpack. Mm-mm. When security approached him, he drew a gun on them, but was overpowered and apprehended, shooting one of the men in the hand in the process. Like, just steal a fucking debit card, dude. You're super good at it. You've been doing it for decades. Like, what are you... He cannot help himself from stealing. Well, clearly, because he also left with a bunch of cash. Right. And it's only 34 days. Right. 
Don't Buy yourself that. a sandwich. Yeah. Yep. Nope. Swipe. The U.S. prepared to extradite Ng and charge him with the murders, but unfortunately, quote, John Cosby, the Canadian Justice Minister, announced that under the terms of a 1976 extradition treaty with the United States, he had refused the request for Ng's extradition as Canada, having abolished capital punishment, would not release any prisoner charged with a capital crime that carried the death penalty. Wow. Isn't that some fucked up bullshit? And wow. also kind of awesome. Yeah. I know. Very conflicted about that. I'm very <laughs> conflicted about that. Good for you for standing for something, because I very much do not believe in the death penalty. Right. But at the same time, give us the guy back. You Seriously. Like, goody two-shoes. <laughs> like, do you really want him in Canada? Really? Right. I know. Okay. Like, good I know. luck with him there. Ng was charged with shoplifting and assault and sentenced to four and a half years, during which time he heavily studied American law. It would take six years to extradite him. And during the extradition hearings, it came out that Ng had drawn several cartoons of the crimes committed against the women and families, which included details that no one but the perpetrator could know. And on September 6, 1991, he was finally brought back to California to stand trial. I'll spare you the details of the myriad ways he delayed his trial, but, quote, even before the trial began, Ng had appeared before six different judges in a case that had amassed over six tons of evidence and other legal documents at a cost approaching $10 million. Yeah, I cannot imagine. I, like, imagine being a cop and you're like, oh, it's Friday really looking forward to relaxing and you get this fucking call and you're no. like I have to call the rest the f- of my life fuck I have to call the forestry department the California <laughs> Department of Justice Interpol, Interpol. Scotland no <laughs> like, no we've got 45 no. pounds of bone fragments to label and so no. Uh, yeah. no I gave up when there was too many names to sort through like a right. half hour ago no. Right. That's why uh-huh. I almost didn't do this story, but I was like, all right, lazy ass, <laughs> like these cops. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Ng finally went to trial in October of 1998, which totaled 13 years of legal delays. Holy shit. Before the sicko was brought to justice, making it the longest and most costly case in California history at I the time. I believe it. Yep. Wow. That's a very long time. And... We're talking about the fucking six flags of forensic evidence. You have enough evidence to convict this guy 560 times over, and it still took 13 fucking years. Wow. Over eight months, evidence was presented. Eight months, this trial. (laughs) Eight months. Evidence was presented to outline the kidnapping, sadistic torture, rape, and murder of Ng and Lake's victims. So, Also, imagine being a juror who's like, ooh, I can't wait to go to Cabo next month. (laughs) Nope. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you do for the, like the mental torture, for everyone involved? That has to be part of that trial. I, that's exactly what I thought because, well, two of the things that I read that they did came from court documents, and I was like, oh hell no! Like this mm-hmm. is real stuff, and it's horrifying. So yeah, exactly. And like they had to watch the tapes. I'm sure. No. no. Yeah. No, they're yep. never going to be okay no. after that. No. 
Ng's defense argued that Lake was the real force behind the crimes and Ng was an unwilling participant who only participated in the sexual crimes. Hmm. Ng decided to take the stand in his own defense, which is, I just live for that shit, mm-hmm. which allowed prosecutors to admit additional evidence, including a photo of him standing in front of his cartoons, which detailed the crimes that I mentioned before, as well as his motto, quote, no kill, no thrill, no gun, no fun. Jurors deliberated and returned with a guilty verdict for the murders of six men, three women, and two baby boys. The murder of Paul Cosner had been dropped due to insufficient evidence. (laughs) I know. Okay. Ng was sentenced to death and remains on death row in San Quentin to this day. Wow. The next two paragraphs are taken verbatim from the article I cited earlier because he just said it very beautifully. Quote, at the time of writing, Ng and his attorneys are presenting appeals against the harshness of the sentence. This process alone could take another six years and perhaps another six million dollars, a grand total of almost 20 million dollars to convict one man, even though the evidence against him included videotape footage of two of the crimes in progress. But while Ng and other people like him make a mockery of the American legal system, the question remains, what made them do it? What possessed them to kidnap, rape, and torture their innocent victims, including friends and family? One suggestion is that Lake and Ng were already capable of such crimes as individuals, but it wasn't until they met and began to fuel each other's sadosexual desires to inflict pain and death on others. The situation may be an example of what criminal psychologists call gestalt, where, quote, the organized whole is greater than the sum of its parts, not unlike the other tag team from hell, Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Toole. Mm-hmm. Whatever their motivations were, one clear fact remains. A court of law determined that Charles Ng and Leonard Lake were jointly responsible for some of the most brutal and sadistic crimes in the annals of criminal history. It's unfortunate that it takes so much time and money to bring such men to justice. And that is the story that, how the fuck have we all not heard it 158,000 times over our lifetimes? Wow. Now I just got, like, actual full body chills. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh Uh-huh. Can you see why I was excited to tell my story tonight? Yeah, you totally won Rochambeau, 100%. <laughs> what the fuck? Wow. Yep. I wonder if they've been able to ID any of the other bones, or if that's a priority, or what, you know? like well, that's sure. what, Yeah, that's, I mean, yes, I wonder. I really, like, look at, 19, you know, this time yeah. frame, and who... It's okay, just so... find some extra time. Let's get to the Charlie Project find some missing people that right? match this description which would be everybody it's so hard because it's such a remote part of the country if you if anybody i'm sure all of you have watched murder mountain that documentary yeah. about humboldt county and it's just like a, a every no. missing person yeah, yeah that's just where you go to be missing so it would be probably really really hard to figure out who all those bones belong to because they probably weren't from exactly there. Right. You know, in a lot of cases. Who knows? Right. Oh, man. Yeah, man. I know. I know. Those poor I fucking just... people. Oh, it makes me think. 
about in our Patreon episode, we're talking about psychics. And a psychic mm-hmm. called in uh, <laughs> to the police in Texas and was like, oh my god, there's all these hidden bodies in Texas and like babies and people and they're all dead. Right? And it wasn't true. But I think she was just off. She was totally <laughs> off. She, she, she was getting the vibes. But right. it was California, not Texas. Right. It's another hot state. It's hot there. Yeah. Yeah. Similar. Like, yeah. yeah. Like dozens of bodies. Yep. Check, check, check. That yeah. was, yeah. Yeah. She knew it was happening somewhere and just couldn't pinpoint where exactly. <laughs> God. Oh, God. That's I know. Awful. I know. And they specifically said that they would target the families because they knew that they could psychologically break the women faster if they witnessed oh. the death of their children. Oh my God. I know. I mean, it's just, I know. I can't go there. Nope. And being kept in a little tiny room with no light. No, <laughs> no. All right. Well, I'm going to go to vomit town now <laughs> no. and I'll see you guys on the other side. Bye. <laughs> Also, how many stories like this exist that we've never heard of? We say this oh, all the time, many. but how how is that possible? I feel like this is a different level of that, though. I like, agree. we do say this all, all the time, but really, for real this time, how have yeah. I never heard of that story? And I'm racking my brain over here, but it's not like I would forget that one. Well, and the names are so specific. Like, right. Leonard Lake and Charles Ng are not names that you forget. You know? No. Has it been covered on any shows? Uh, yes. It's on a couple of, but like ID shows. There's not like a Netflix documentary about it. I mean, I feel like this is something that could be made into a movie. Definitely a multi-part documentary. I, I don't know, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> There's like 85,000 things on Ted Bundy and not, and like three things on these guys. Right. It's I don't get it. Ted Bundy's like cute or whatever. Well, I was listening to 911 calls with the operator the other day, and they were mentioning, they were talking about the way media presents things and how, you know, like even Ted Bundy, you don't know all the heinousness of his mm-hmm. crimes based, you know, you can't really find that information. You have to really read like court documents and stuff to get the horrifying details of a lot of these cases. And so, yeah, I... Is it because the media just walked, like, set it down and walked away? Or, like, how did this, how did it get lost? I don't know. I don't know either. But we have uncovered it. Yes, you're welcome, America. Here you go. Here's a fucking Pandora's box of horrors for you to unravel. (sighs) Good night. Sleep tight. Right. I know. I say let's move on. I've had enough. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's safe. A safe thing to do. I think that's what everybody yeah. needs right now. Yeah. And they need a palate cleanser in the form of names, don't you think? Yep. This week's names are more just um, kind of delightful. I you love know, a delightful just kind name. of just sort of delightful. And some of them, wait, was Morgan Storgan? That was on our main feed, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. We have O OK Soon, which. Yes. <laughs> It's like a lyric or something. It's so <laughs> sweet. It's so sweet. Bill Pencil, spelled P-N-S-Y-L. <laughs> My new puppy's name is Bill. I'm going to call him Bill oh. Pencil. <laughs> uh, Harry Wolf. Oh, 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 oh. Um, and then we got 
Oh, Violet Moss. Another is just delightful yes. nature themed this week. And uh, two in the in the vein of Morgan Storgan. <laughs> Mary Carey and Lester Kester. <laughs> <laughs> Lester Kester. It's like your last name is Kester. What should you name your kid? Lester. I mean there's only one option there. <laughs> right. It's predetermined. Mm-hmm. I know. It makes me, I really, I mean, we talked about this before too, but like, I uh, love my kids, love their names. I wish I could go back and try again. Yes. What would you name them? Like, Beck, Heck, Eck, Heck, Eck. Yeah. Or Beck, like, yeah. <laughs> oh God, I don't know. That's it. I Beck just changed Heck. their, yeah, pencil. Just <laughs> changed the name to pencil. <laughs> One name, no first name, no last name, just pencil. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, and so this is a Patreon inside secret joke, which you should all join our Patreon to get hip to the inside jokes that we have in our, with our patrons. But I was talking about when I go to the gym where I live, and it's generally older white men. I assume they're more conservative, but wearing gym, wearing jeans to the gym. Right. And how Sadie and I are going to start a line of gym jeans, which are jeans that are specific <laughs> for the gym, uh-huh. so that those men don't have to mess up their day jeans, their regular jeans, by wearing them to the gym. They can just wear their gym jeans. Right. So, so there's like a certain kind kind of person who does yeah. this. Yeah. And right. I think, and some somebody, a listener wrote in, it was like, my dad totally wears his jeans to the gym. I mean, I think it's, it's a thing, yes. you know, it's yes. a lot of older, generally white men wear their jeans to the gym. I think right. it's damn adorable right <laughs> and a listener today sent me a screen cap of a linkedin profile and the name on the profile was jim jeans <laughs> j-a-m-g-e-n-e-s jim jeans, jim jeans. <laughs> he's gonna be our ambassador for the jim jean line <laughs> hi and he looks like somebody who'd wear jim jeans he totally does <laughs> He totally does. I'm not, I'm not just the president of Jim Jeans. I'm a member. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jim Jeans. What, what am I wearing, you ask, as he's on a treadmill? Well, I'm wearing my Jim Jeans. Nice Jim Jeans, Jim Jeans. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for that so much my so god much, i know <laughs> but seriously <laughs> go join our patreon it's worth it it's it, there are some good ass episodes if you're full if you're just ass like, episodes these are like hour-long episodes guys yeah, man. real no, meaty total regular episodes over there there's 40 of them which oh my blows god. my mind i know we just published our 40th holy three dollars a month you get yeah. gym jeans. We're so. giving that shit away. No, we that's really are. Crazy. 40, I know. I just signed prices. up for just Creepy's like... Patreon. Finally, I got through the like oh, 270 like... main feed episodes. <laughs> and I think they have over 500 Patreon oh, episodes. Oh my god. What am I even going to do? Well, you got years. It's cool. <laughs> I find that I just sort of like have it on in the background half the time too. It's like, yeah. I'm sure this is just a podcast thing in general. Like I... I'm a little preoccupied, so it's just sort of droning on back there, and yeah. I'll kind of check in and be like, "Yeah, it's not too spooky." So, right? 
Yeah, I know the ones that I can just skip ahead pretty quick these days. Like, yeah, no, anything about, about an old timey garage that's not no. scary. No, no. Nope. I kind of I don't like old timey horror. I don't like old timey true crime. Yeah, <laughs> no. I don't think there's any old timey anything over on our Patreon. So anyway, if there's you've not. been on the fence, I swear to God, it's worth it. Uh, let's thank some people who have made the plunge. Woo, 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 woo. Thank you so much to Megan J. Megan Jim J. Bullock. <laughs> I bring it up because... Uh, okay, I'm going to take you guys on a little story time. I was watching RuPaul's Drag Race. There's a queen named Rosé. I was like, who the fuck does Rosé remind me of? A little bit of George Michael. Like, he's got George Michael eyebrows, George Michael hair. But I was like, God, there's somebody specifically when he laughs, like, smiles this big, huge smile. I looked up every single, I am not kidding, <laughs> sitcom from the 80s and 90s trying to fucking pinpoint who this really sort of vague on the periphery of my mind comedian was laura was pissed she's like stop i don't care who he reminds you of stop <laughs> talking about it and i kept being like is it harry no it's a jim j bullock does anyone else who know jim j bullock is <laughs> why is he not more of an icon he's gay he was he was funny i feel like when i was a kid he was on hollywood squares a lot which is why i'm aware of him oh yeah now do you know who jim j bullock is yeah, I picture him wearing a sweatband for some reason. Yes, right. Oh my god, yes, yeah. right. Cor- so- I know. Courtney sends me a screenshot of this and this show that he was on, which I never which watched, but somehow vaguely remember. What was it called like Too Close uh, for Comfort or something? Yes, it was Too Close for Comfort. <laughs> Is that really what it was called? Yes. Wow. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't. He does seem vaguely familiar, but that's totally what it is. Hollywood yeah. Squares. Mm-hmm. No, he was really trying to like keep his career afloat. I think at that point, but I don't think yeah. he gets enough credit because he was like a queer comedian. I don't know if he was out. He is definitely out now. I found his Instagram. He only has fourteen hundred followers. We should all follow Jim J Bullock on Instagram. Give him a little love. I'm gonna go do it. So it's a high high compliment for me to christen you, Megan Jim J Bullock. <laughs> it's all I've been thinking about for the last week. That is not an exaggeration. <laughs> How proud of how proud of yourself you are, and just like then I just kind of went down a rabbit hole about Jim J. Bullock. Like, where did he go? Where? Why did? What? Why did we abandon him? He was in Kinky Boots on Broadway recently, Aww. so that's good. In like twenty seventeen, okay. yeah. But I feel like I should, should like help him get a revival or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, let's important. Do it. <laughs> Who else? Uh, thank you so much to Serena H. Oh. Please, if you share space with the name of the goddess, great, greatest fucking athlete of all time, mm-hmm. Serena Williams. Ugh, it just, it's, I could cry talking about that woman. So Seriously. good for you, because mm-hmm. if you have even a fucking one millionth of the strength, poise, power, prowess, ugh, you are amazing. Congratulations on having the best name. She wins. Yep. Thank you so much to Erica G. Erica, get it. Get it. Get it. Get it. it. Right now. (laughs) Don't boss Erica G. Erica, get it. (laughs) I don't have to. She'll get it when she wants to get it. it. Take her damn time getting it. She's going to get it. Mm -hmm. She got it. She probably did get it. (laughs) Already got it. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much to Lisa H. 
S. Ooh, Lisa S. Which is it? Is it H as in hella gorgeous or is it S as in sexy boots? Sexy boots. I just Thank you, Lisa, stole sexy that boots. from my previous mention of kinky boots. <laughs> We're just having a quick brain sesh. What is it called? <laughs> uh, Brainstorms. <laughs> throwing, it, throwing things against the wall. See what sticks. Hella gorgeous, sexy boots. It's up to you. You're the boss of you this choose. scenario. Mm-hmm. That's right. Last but not least, thank you so much to Kathleen S. Ka- also, also Kathleen sex- Sexy boots. boots. That's right. You can also be hella gorgeous. Yep. You can be whatever you want, Kathleen. You can be. Got it. Get it. Got it. Get it. <laughs> got, done. Did. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> done. Did. Do it. Um. So thanks, you guys. Big time. Thank you so appreciate much. appreciate it. Thanks to all of you for listening. We love you. And... If you want to hang out with us more regularly, you want to chat with us, message us, comment on our stuff, tell us we are pretty. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at They Will Kill. You can go to our website, theywillkill.com. You can email us at theywillkillpodcast at gmail.com. Rate, review, subscribe. Yes, please. Somebody just left us a really nice review and it made my day. I saw it come through this afternoon. That was my stomach. Did you hear that? <laughs> no, I'm hungry too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wrap it up. Hell, we gotta go. Uh, thank you, AJ Bergantz, for our music. Thank you so much for it. And remember. Don't remember to not forget Jim J. Bullock. Yeah, go tell follow your him friends. on Instagram. Follow him on Instagram. Tell your loved ones. T- Jim J. Bullock. Bring him back. Get him rolls. It's like. <laughs> Get him rolls? Oh. <laughs> Buy him baked goods. He needs pastries. I thought you meant dinner Croissant. rolls. <laughs> no. Television, movie, and theater rolls, Sadie. <laughs> Put them on Hollywood that's... Squares. I'm hungry. I was like, okay. <laughs> get, <laughs> get, get him some rolls. Get yourself some rolls. <laughs> I'm going to go get some rolls. <laughs> Go get your rolls, BBs. We love you very much. Love you. Goodbye. 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 Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.